Oh, we've got a lot to talk about today. We have got a great show lined up for you. Um, stand by. Uh, let me tell you about our sponsor for Blaze. The spotlight sponsor this hour is American Financing. So have you have you done it yet? Stu? Yes. Have you done it yet? I don't know what you're talking Did about. Did you go ahead. to American Financing and, and look into your loans and try to get a loan that's a low rate? I have gone to American Financing, yes. And I have a loan at a very low rate thanks to American Financing. It's true. Uh, and uh, it was very easy. <laughs> it wasn't this big moment. Was, just it, kinda... was it shocking? Because I know you have always been, you're always like, uh, but I think if I can use this against this and leverage that. Uh, <laughs> Arbitrage is my, yeah, is my game. Right. And, uh, but, but it was easy for you to get the loan? It wasn't? Yeah, no, it was really easy. I mean, they do a great job. You know, they make the whole process easy, and they, they make sure that you can get the lowest rate possible, which is what I'm concerned about. I mean, I, I told them, I'm like, I know you guys advertise on the show, but I'm still calling everybody else. You should. I you should. Know, I did, yeah. and then I wound up going with American Financing. Yeah, American Financing. See what they can do for you and uh, do a consolidation loan without resetting your loan. If you're paying 3 or 4% in interest, you're paying too much. It's American Financing, 800-906-2440. Go to AmericanFinancing.net. again mickey mouse has has struck down the mandalorian superhero hero canceling now gina carano for her republican jewish analogy and it only proves her point we begin with the cancel culture and what this impeachment is really all about in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. All right, I want to talk to you a little bit about losing your identity. Uh, I mean, some people have an identity crisis, but now that's taken on a whole new, uh, a whole new meaning, seeing that cybercrime has gone up about 75% with coronavirus. I mean, there's just been so many good things that's come out of this coronavirus thing, hasn't there? I mean, it's huge just, fan. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Especially what they're doing in Berkeley. Do you hear about this? They're they're yeah. they've locked all the students in in uh, University of Berkeley. And they just, Berkeley. They've just you can leave to go to the bathroom, but then you got to go right back to your dorm. I was very upset that they stopped uh, outdoor solo exercise because I'm yeah, as you know a huge. Huge outdoor outdoor exercise guy. I like to do it too solo because that way I can just lay down on the ground. Yeah, you can act like you did it. Yeah. I, I, plus, I do like the fact that the Berkeley people are now living my lifestyle. <laughs> Absolute bad. I kind of like the idea that Berkeley students are locked into rooms. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, right now, because of coronavirus, our. Our information is everywhere on the Internet, and cyber criminals are looking for ways to take things that are ours, including 
uh, our good name. In fact, that's the most important thing. And if you're just monitoring your credit, if you're just looking at your credit cards, you're going to miss stuff. That's where identity theft and LifeLock comes in. They are looking at the things that you might miss on your own. Nobody is covering you like LifeLock. Nobody can stop all of it, but they are the best. And if something slips through, they will uh, uh, assign a team. They have a special team that is just there to make sure that you get your good name back and they work with you to do it. Save up to 25% off your first year. LifeLock.com with promo code back. LifeLock.com promo code back. 1-800-LIFELOCK. LifeLock.com promo code back. Actress Gina Carano has incurred the wrath of the mob. The mob that runs Hollywood, the universities, and the arts. She made a historic, uh, historical analogy with the intention of giving people pause in their relentless crusade to ostracize non-leftists from society. This is what she wrote in a post. Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? She is absolutely 100% correct. They did it through propaganda, they did it through smears, and they did it through intimidation. And they praised the people who did it. So if, if you were, if you were uh, beating Jews in the streets, you'd be held up by the Nazi party as one of the good guys. You'd get special praise. If you said something in defense, the opposite would happen. Well, just to show how much they don't hate her political views and don't want to silence people or beat them into submission, they lobbied to have Disney beat her into submission. And when she wouldn't submit, they fired her. Uh, She is not currently employed by Lucasfilm. And according to Disney, there are no plans for her to be hired in the future. Uh, Her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. Her her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. What? To say, hey, uh, you know, you know how you get people to beat Jews? You run a campaign and you get the neighbors to beat the Jews for you. What? You know what we should You know what we should? um, We should start uh, banning things like Schindler's List because that showed how the German people, not just the Nazis, how the German neighbors were involved, how people were involved in that that didn't wear the swastika or the uniform. We should ban that. We should. You know what, Stu? Let's make a list of books we should ban. Always a good idea, and with no historical echo at all. No. Well, none, none that could be no, said about the Nazis. We, we can't mention it. No, 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 no. All right. Let me tell you what's going on. You know this already. This is just to intimidate you and everyone else. This is the way that dictators do it. This is the way. What does that mean? 
Is that code? Is <laughs> yeah. that a Zionist code? I can't, I can't talk about the code. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, this is the way dictators take over countries. They take over countries by propaganda. That's why propaganda is so dangerous, especially when it is being done by the state and, in our case, also powerful corporations. Now, let me give you one of those powerful corporations, the New York Times. Now, I'm going to address uh, address the New York Times specifically on this article in about 50 minutes. So you don't want to miss that. But there's an article that runs today. How right wing radio stoked anger before the Capitol siege. The New York Times writes. Shows hosted by Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and other talk radio stars promoted debunked claims of stolen election and urged listeners to fight back. Two days before the mob of Trump supporters invaded the United States Capitol, upending the nation's peaceful transition of power and leaving at least five people dead, the right-wing radio star Glenn Beck delivered a message to his flock of listeners, it's time to fight. It's quoting, it's time to rip and claw and rake, end quote. Mr. Beck said on his January 4th broadcast, quote, it's time to go to war as the left went to war four years ago, end quote. Hmm. Okay, time to rip, claw and rake. In his January 4th broadcast, it's time to go to war as the left went to war four years ago. Why? Why is that a problem? Why is that a problem? Well, then, because if, if you have a problem with that, you're criticizing how the left went to war four ah, years ago, which okay. I don't remember them doing. Yo, okay, <laughs> I don't remember that part right. of the story. Well, you should listen to the monologue. Oh, okay. uh, we'll get into that later. Uh, former Fox News host Mr. Beck has speculated for weeks about baseless claims of voter fraud in the presidential race. He told listeners that Donald J. Trump had taught conservatives that you don't have to cower anymore. You don't have to back down when ridiculed into oblivion. You can fight back. Yeah, that's true. Is that a bad message? Is that a bad message to tell people that you don't have to cower? Don't live in fear. Stand up for what you believe in. Is that somehow now a bad message to reject the bullies? I mean, would you like to hear an anti-bullying message from, I don't know, the New York Times? It's amazing. Now it's not okay to say, stand up straight. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Stand up. If somebody calls you a name, dismiss it. Stand up. Fight back. Speak the truth. Mr. Beck did not lobby for his listeners to invade the Capitol. And a day later, a day later, because I've never done this before, a day later, he urged marchers in Washington to really kind of channel, quoting, your inner Martin Luther King. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. You asked people to channel their inner Martin Luther King, which, of course, I've heard you do thousands of times. Yeah. And the article is about how you tried to get people to riot at the Capitol. I I, I don't remember that part of the Martin Luther King story. Well, remember when Martin Luther King said, uh, cower, you've got to cower in fear. Don't stand up. (laughs) Don't speak your mind. Remember, he was saying, when you go in to the lunch counter, cower. I don't remember that. He said, sit down. That's what he said. Sit down. 
I mean, <laughs> I I'm saying don't sit down. Okay, <laughs> he said sit down. I, I, I mean, I'm glad they included the Martin Luther King point, yeah. but doesn't it totally disprove their argument from the first paragraph? Uh, yes, it does, but they don't care. Uh, okay. Mr. Beck did not lobby for his listeners to evade the Capitol. Day later, he urged marchers in Washington to really kind of channel your inner Martin Luther King, adding that violence is just, quoting, just not who we've ever been, end quote. No, no, no. They this also is a, put that in there? Yes, they did. But the language he used on his January 4th show uh-huh. was Typical of the aggressive rhetoric that permeated conservative talk radio in the weeks before the Washington siege. Well, I can tell you this. The Martin Luther King uh, point is typical of the Glenn Beck program for the last decade. Yeah. So but maybe I, decade and a half. At least. I yeah. Mean, but wait. <laughs> what? So there's no, a way. No, no, no. No, I need at least one moment on this. Right. Yeah, but, They're saying on December 4th. You uh, January said, 4th. Excuse me, January 4th. Yeah. You said uh, we should we need to fight. And yeah. then also said you need to fight like the Democrats yeah, did. Yeah, it's time in to go to war as the left went to war four years ago. And then you said the Martin Luther King thing not on the 6th after the violence. Right. You said the Martin Luther King thing on the 5th on, before, right. the, before the day of the violence. Right. And they're still leading a column about the violence with you? Yeah, well, I, they're I, using me. Fascinating. They're using me wow. as the rhetoric that is <laughs> heard all throughout talk radio. It doesn't it seem like if okay, you go down this road and you're like, all right, I'm going to write this thing, and here's a quote from Glenn Beck that looks really bad out of context. I'm going to put it in there. <laughs> when you make the decision that you add mm. the Martin Luther King point, which totally disproves what you've just written, that might have been added because uh, we may have said, if you print this the way you say you're going to print this, your lawsuit will make your oh. eyes bleed. Okay. okay. Uh. They may have put the Martin Luther King thing in there because... So this was not their suggestion. This was saying, not uh, their suggestion. Okay. In fact, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get into this, oh, because I have the email. Uh, I, I'm going to show you where they started, uh, and it was, it's time to go to war. And they left out as the left went to war four years ago. They left that part out originally. Oh. So, yeah, that was a negotiation point. Oh, the wow. comma oh, in that sentence. God. Okay. So, anyway, the, the reason why I'm bringing this up here is because I want you to know what is really happening in Washington. As we discussed yesterday, the Democrats don't have a prayer of impeaching. Uh, I'm sorry, of convicting Donald Trump. Okay. They don't have a prayer of it. They're not going to win. So why are they doing this battle? Several reasons. I'll give you the biggest in a second. First, it's a, it's a distraction. No, no, sorry. Uh, it's a distraction. First, it's a distraction. Mm-hmm. You have to distract from what's really going on in the first 100 days. The second thing that is happening now is uh, th- they are trying to make sure that you understand don't stand up don't stand up you cower in fear if if anyone tries to run for president and take on the machine the machine will kill them it will destroy them in every way possible and they're teaching you a lesson by teaching donald trump a lesson this is what you get if you come against us okay but here's the third reason and it is, I believe, a, a very important reason. In fact, I think it might be the most important reason. They are tying rhetoric directly to 
violence. Now, they will never tie their rhetoric to violence. But any time the right says something, they tried to do this with a Tea Party, but we were so disciplined that we didn't ever give them an opening. And they were trying to tie us into violence. Well, now they have the one case where the Tea Party is violent. SEIU beating people in the streets during the Tea Party. They had no problem with that. No problem with that. But our violent rhetoric, which never turned to violence, that's where they were headed. Now they have it. So this article, it's not a coincidence that A, that monologue was a monologue that referenced Media Matters. I can guarantee you Media Matters has its fingers all over this story. Second, it's not a coincidence that it is coming out right now. As they are showing all the violence on television uh, uh, that happened on January 6th, which was despicable and we condemned it immediately. Mm -hmm. While it was happening. While it was happening. Um, the uh, While that was happening, we're condemning it. They take this video now and they're pushing it through and they've got all the media showing Trump's violent rhetoric. See, this is what happens when you have a leader that does this. But now they also want to tie in and say, yeah, but the leader also had some helpers along the way. He he had right wing radio. They have been trying to shut us down for so long. The targets in this article, Rush Limbaugh, Dan Bongino, Mark Levin and me. Well, two out of the four have cancer, so I think it's great that they're taking on <laughs> cancer patients oh, now wow. uh, and accusing them of horrible things as they are fighting cancer. Um, but uh, they're doing that for a reason. They need us to be removed. They need talk radio to be shut down. I guarantee you the House and the Senate will move and if they don't move, it will just happen through the FCC. They will do everything they can to silence our voices because they need you to not have a freedom of association, freedom of speech. They need you to stop having a place to where you can gather your thoughts. They need you to feel alone. But you won't be alone. You won't be alone in this fight. You won't be alone in your stand. Because wherever, wherever there is a, a group of people that are trying to erase the, our God-given constitutionally protected rights, you will find good patriots willing to stand up and fight. <gasps> Did he say fight? How do you mean fight, Glenn? I know. We're not intelligent enough to know after a lifetime of using the word fight, having cheerleaders go fight, fight, fight. We're so stupid that we don't realize that there are many ways to take that term. And especially those who listen to this program who have heard me talk about Gandhi and F uh, and MLK forever. Incessantly. I mean, gosh, going back to. OK, stop. 
<laughs> don't need to hear it. Just know this is why impeachment is happening. This is what is happening in social media. And it's about to come like a bag of bricks onto talk radio. You will never silence me. You will find me beneath a tree in your town square or in some farm. And I will be there telling you the true history of America, what's truly going on, and how we need to stand shoulder to shoulder and try to be servants of the Lord. So he will provide us some protection. Back in just a minute, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It is Raycon. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I spent a lot of my time looking for my ear pods uh, because uh, my kids always were taking them. That's when I got everybody this last Christmas Raycons. Hey, Merry Christmas. Everybody got a Raycon. Dad's got two. Uh, the one I'm not telling you about because somebody is going to lose theirs and take mine and then they will lose those and I will still have another pair. Raycon, give your eyes a rest and listen to things. Listen to great podcasts. Listen to great books, uh, but also listen to great music and don't listen to everything else that's going on. Raycons, ditch the Apple AirPods. They are stylish and comfortable. The Raycons are. Apple AirPods are uncomfortable. They look stupid with the white sticks coming out of your ears. Uh, and they're twice as expensive as Raycons. Raycon, offering 15% off their products. And here's what you got to do to get it. You just go to buyraycon.com slash Beck. Buyraycon.com slash Beck and get 15% off. Mike Lee is joining us in a few minutes to talk to us about the impeachment hearings. Uh, right now, we'll take a 10-second break for Station ID. You were gone. Uh, you were gone, Stu, to the Super Bowl when I got this letter in this email from uh, the writer at the New York Times. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. And I read it and I was like, there's no way I said that paragraph. There's no way I said that paragraph. And then I noticed the dot, dot, dot ah. in between every line. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so we looked the transcript up. Oh, wait. Oh, wait until you see the, the gold medal Olympian that had to uh, be performing this article and writing this article. The, the jumps through the hoops and the twists and the bends. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. So, New York Times, I take it as a great pleasure to fact check you. Half an hour. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Timeshare Termination Team. Uh, Hi, I'm, I'm with the devil. I'm not the devil. I just want to take credit for something I'm proud of inventing. Sure, I've invented a lot of things over the years. The Black Plague, mosquitoes, salads musical stylings of Yoko Ono, the New York Times. But above all those things, I think the thing I'm most proud of is uh, inventing the timeshare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I convinced that one lady to eat an apple 
pulls the wool over people's eyes so perfectly. Uh, and the best part, I don't have to live a finger, you know? My minions sell these timeshares like hotcakes. <laughs> and before you know it, you owe your soul. <laughs> Time to beat the devil at his own game now with timeshare termination. They'll get you out of a timeshare easily and affordably with a 100% money-back guaranteed exit. Call Timeshare Termination Team. TimeshareTerminationTeam.com 1-888-GET-YOU-OUT. 888-GET-YOU-OUT. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Uh, 30 bucks it. off love your it. subscription to Blaze TV. You, you love him? Yes, it's great. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Well, in reading the New York Times, I find out that Mike Lee does not have a problem with the riots. Uh, he, I think he was cheering them on. Uh, and he thought that Donald Trump should get a mulligan for it. Uh, this is a story by Glenn Thrush. Mike Lee suggests Trump should get a mulligan for the Capitol Riot Day, uh, Capitol Riot Day speech. Wow, that doesn't sound like, uh, like Mike Lee. In an email to Mr. Lee's spokesman requesting an explanation of his remarks, it was not immediately returned, but some of his defenders on social media said that he was making a larger point about the need for civility in both parties. But that's only some in social media. As an example of what he viewed as a recent transgression, Mr. Lee singled out Representative uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a Democrat from New York, for making it personal, quote, end quote, when she recently took a swipe at his ally, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. A swipe? Wow. I guess that's what she said when he was, he was planning on having her killed. Uh, I guess that was a swipe. To yeah, the New York calling Times. someone a murderer is definitely a swipe. <laughs> it is a swipe. It's definitely one word for it. Senator Mike Lee here to answer the charges. Go ahead. The courts are listening, Mike. Well, you know, unfortunately, she only accused him of attempted murder. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah, that's right. If if it was we're, actual we're murder, then that here, wouldn't but, have been a swipe. That would have been important. But mm -hmm. this was attempted murder, mm. right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I've learned is that, you know, you've got a problem with your news source when every single time they print something as to which you have personal knowledge, they're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's just a massive coincidence here. Yes, I'm but, sure it uh, is. I'm sure it is. It's probably that you're listening to uh, uh, the wrong sources. You're part of the conspiracy cabal. You know, uh, that's probably what the what the problem is, Mike. Um, tell me you first. Know, the of interesting all, thing there. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I just want I just I just want you to because I know the context. And what is so crazy is the context that this was set in was to say, let's ratchet things down a bit, and I'm going to give everybody a mulligan because everybody makes mistakes. You were talking to the left. You weren't talking about Donald Trump. That's exactly right. I, I, I was talking to, and in that sense, in defense of some of my colleagues on the far left who had said some really inflammatory stuff. Stuff that, that, that rivals a lot of the things that are being attacked that have been said by people on the right. And so I, I, I said, look, uh, referring specifically to those people on the left, people like AOC 
Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer. And Cory Booker, and Chuck Schumer. I said, everyone from time to time says something that they regret. And, you know, they probably ought to take a mulligan on this one. Everyone's entitled to one of those once in a while. Uh, but the, the point is, we shouldn't be saying things like this. In no way, shape, or form did I say that President Trump ought to be taking a mulligan on this. That had nothing to do with President Trump. And yet somehow the geniuses at New York Times and the geniuses at Fox 13 in Salt Lake City and about 50 other news outlets throughout the country picked it up and took exactly that message directly contrary to the fact. And the truth is this, this reflects what uh, can best be characterized as reckless disregard for the truth. But ironically, they're going to be the arbiters of truth here soon, Mike. Yeah, they they right. are pushing right. for it and trying to silence anyone that has a different opinion. No, that's that's exactly right. And they're they're playing off of uh, the, the, the famous uh, Supreme Court case, New York Times versus Sullivan. It basically gives them impunity to defame people so long as they're not acting with knowledge of falsity or reckless disregard for the truth. And yet, oddly enough here, they seem to have crossed that threshold. And I've got another one for you. They just wrote a story about me today in the New York Times that they they knowingly, knowingly uh, are printing things that are just false as a news story. If it was a if it was an opinion piece, that'd be one thing. But this is a, a news story, uh, and it's despicable, Mike. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the impeachment trial itself. First of all, are you seeing any movement at all with anyone on either side? The Democrats making a good case or any of the, the Republicans going, oh, I don't know. That's a good point. Okay, look, here's what I'll tell you on that front. There's no doubt horrible things happened on January 6th. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that uh, it, uh, we should have been able to avoid it. I wish we had been able to avoid it. Uh, I, I've said for a long time that um, I don't think that there should have been an effort to try to win the election on January 6th, because if you read the 12th Amendment and if you read Article 2 of the Constitution, they don't make that possible. It is the states that decide these things and not Congress. Correct. Congress is there only to count. It has Correct. one job, open and count, open and count. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. These things that happened on January 6th were tragic. They were horrific. All of that being the case, it is different than what is on trial this week. What's on trial this week um, is different than that. And there are a number of us, 44 of us to be precise, don't believe that it's appropriate for the Senate to exercise jurisdiction as a court of impeachment after a president's term of office has expired. Okay, can I, I give you something on this? Uh, just, just to play devil's advocate, um, give, yeah. give me, a, give Mike the quote from John Adams. Uh, John Quincy Adams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here we go. I hold myself so long as I have the breath of life in my body, amenable to impeachment by the House for everything I did during the time I held any public office. Yeah, that, that's great. And I've seen that quote, and I, I understand his point. I, I don't think he's necessarily approaching this as a textualist. I don't think he's necessarily approaching this as someone who sees the abuse of government powers that can be brought to bear with an impeachment trial. I don't think he anticipated 
the issues that could arise as a result of it. Now, look, I will grant you this much. As a, as a strict textual matter, it is a very close call. I actually think the text can be read one way or the other, thus requiring us to make some prudential judgment calls hmm. about how best it ought to fit into this framework. But when you look at the floodgates this thing would open, you imagine what would happen, just for example, the next time we have a red wave election, you'd see massive calls for impeachment proceedings on Hillary Clinton, for Benghazi, on Jim Comey, hmm. maybe even for Jimmy Carter, going back to the fact that he gave away the Panama Canal. This would result in an interminable succession of absurd impeachment proceedings. I don't think that's good for the country. I don't think we ought to give Congress that power. So um, when the chief justice decided not to be seated for this, does this make this a kangaroo court? I mean, isn't that part of the Constitution? First of all, it's not at all clear to me that the chief justice declined anything. From what I understand, the chief justice was never invited to preside. They what? knew that by yeah, they they knew that by the time we got the articles of impeachment, ten days or so, mind you, after they had passed them, and nearly a week after President Trump had left office, they knew that he wasn't the president, and thus it wasn't appropriate to have the chief justice attend. Someone floated the rumor that he had been invited and declined. Now, I, I, unless there's uh, uh, something out there that's changed, that's simply not true. Hmm. Uh, my understanding is that he was never invited in the first place. Why? Well, they knew he's not the president, and therefore there's no reason to have the chief justice. Okay, so, so does it make this, I mean, is it constitutional to an impeachment? Doesn't it say the Supreme Court justice comes and is, is, is oversees it? Yes, yes. If, in fact, the president is being tried for impeachment. But here we don't have the president or the vice president or any civil officers of the United States. You have a former president. It's a different thing. It doesn't require the chief justice to preside. Oh. And by my reading, it shouldn't allow us to have a trial at all. Now, this would have been different. Uh, that would have been a completely different set of questions we were facing. Have the House of Representatives initiated this process and, and actually delivered the articles of impeachment right after they passed them. They didn't. They sat on them. Why? I'm not really sure. You're going to have to ask Nancy Pelosi that question. But it makes a huge difference for them, and they really need to live with the consequences, and that's what they're facing now. It's one of the reasons why I don't think there will be a shift in the outcome of this impeachment. Remember, in order for an impeachment trial to be successful, you can have no more than 33 senators voting to acquit. We've got 44 already who mm -hmm. were saying just on jurisdictional grounds alone, we shouldn't do this. And so unless something dramatic changes, which I don't see, we're nowhere close. So then why are they doing this again? This is this is remarkable stuff. This to me leads to uh, banana republic kind of stuff, because as you've you've just said, you know, you get a red wave, then who do they take out? You, this is what dictatorships do. This is what banana republics do. So what is their gain? What is the real goal, do you think, Mike? It appears to me they're doing everything they can to smear Republicans, smear conservatives, smear people who support or supported Donald Trump at any moment. 
And, and all along the way, they're characterizing the evidence. In fact, it's not, at least so far, it's, it's not like a normal trial. They're not bringing in witnesses. They're basically reciting things from news reports written by their liberal allies with the most smearing characterization they can possibly find. Some of them turn out to be inaccurate. I made an objection last night. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, to some evidence that they claimed to have that I personally knew about, and I asked that it be stricken because I knew it not to be true. Look, I, it's always hard for me to speak to another person's subjective intent. But what I do know is that they seem to be having a good time doing everything they can to just say Republicans are awful. And all of these people who supported Donald Trump are awful. And I think that's unfortunate. So the problem with this is, is they are not only saying they're awful, but they're also using social media, the media itself, uh, and, uh, you know, the New York Times article today to silence people and to uh, and to label them as violent extremists. We have 5000 troops still on the ground in in Washington, D.C., Without a defined mission, that doesn't happen. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security says there is no credible uh, or specific threat. What is going on, Mike? Well, you, you can't keep calling half the country violent extremists. Uh, and I mean, because at some point you're like, well, then we got to do something about it. If they're all violent extremists, yeah. we have to do. Well, what do you do? This is not about an election anymore. You know, I'll tell you, uh, Glenn, we have to take down that wall. Every day when I come into work, I have to pass uh, this enormous wall with razor wire, with armed military all around it. Uh, Not only are these bad optics, this is bad substance. This is not who we are. This is not what we need to do. And I call on Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and my colleagues in the Senate and counterparts in the House to Tear down this wall and Holy do it cow. now. Mike Lee, thank you so much. Mike Lee, Senator of uh, Utah, I'd like to talk to you more about that. Um, it's interesting. I never thought, I mean, I remember Reagan saying that. Never thought I would hear Mike Lee say those words to Chuck Schumer about a wall, let alone the wall around the Capitol. Tear down this wall. Tim lives lives in Maine. He writes about his dog, Sugar. Uh, Sugar's experience with Rough Greens after being a picky eater. He writes, I have been using Rough Greens for close to two weeks now. Sugar is almost 10 years old. She has a better appetite than I've seen in three years since I've had her. Thanks, Rough Greens. Tim, thanks for taking care of your dog. Thanks for uh, giving Rough Greens the trial test to see if your dog will eat it. Now sit back and watch the results in, in your dog. Over the next six months, you're going to be blown away how much sugar changes. One of the things with my dog is finicky eater does not even begin to describe it. He just would not eat. He runs to his bowl. He is constantly, if I don't feed him or Tanya doesn't feed him, you know, on time, seven o'clock, he doesn't have something. He is now up nudging. He puts his nose underneath my arm and he's like, hey, dad. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. Time to eat. Time to eat. 
It's amazing. Rough Greens, not a dog food, but rather a supplement that you sprinkle on the food. Dogs love it because it tastes apparently amazing. Uh, But they're also getting all the vitamins, minerals, and probiotics and all the other stuff that you need. They need, too. Get the Jumpstart bag today, $14.95. Make sure your dog will eat it and start the process of getting your dog healthier and happier. Roughgreens.com slash back. Go there now. Roughgreens.com slash back. R-U-F-F greens.com slash back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Oh, my personal missive to the New York Times coming up in just a few minutes. You don't want to miss that. You know, talking to uh, Mike Lee, you know, when he when I asked him about the constitutionality, he was he kind of deferred to the way it's going to be used. It's really wrong the way it could possibly be used. And I think John Quincy Adams did see that. I think that's what he was talking about, that some radicals could get in and they could come after me because of whatever. Um but, uh, you know, Mike has been the one who really changed my mind on, I said, why don't we put these people in jail? Meaning like former officials that did things wrong. Did things like office. really wrong. Yeah. Hillary Clinton, in my opinion, she should have gone to jail. And he said, once they've left office, you don't, he said, in my opinion, you don't want to go after people because it will start this cycle. And yeah, of revenge. Of yeah. revenge. Yeah. And, and he's been consistent about that for a long time. For a long time. And, you know, now that uh, Trump is out of office, what are you doing? I mean, this is the second time they've tried to impeach him with nothing. With literally nothing. Knowing they could not... Uh, uh, convict him twice. You don't think revenge might be a thought? This is the Glenn Beck program. Well, between the news, appointment TV, endless scrolling on our phones, we're looking at our screens, unfortunately, more than ever. But how do you rest your eyes without feeling totally unplugged? Well, put on a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds and listen to something great. Whether you're listening to your favorite podcast, an audiobook, or working out to a pumped-up playlist, Raycons are built to perform anywhere, anytime, with water and sweat-resistant construction and seamless Bluetooth pairing. There are no dangling wires or white stems that are poking out of your ears. They're really comfortable, come in a variety of colors for maximum style and six hours of playtime, so you can unplug for a good long while. Best part? Raycon wireless earbuds start at half the price of premium audio brands like Apple. So you can pick up a pair and a spare. Right now, get 15% off Raycons at buyraycon.com slash back. That's buy, B-U-Y, raycon.com slash back. 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds, buyraycon.com slash back. Well, the New York Times has written a couple of articles. One that just came out, does media violence lead to the real thing? What? If you are consuming a lot of violence and you're hearing violent rhetoric, can it lead to the the real thing? <laughs> the New York Times wants you to know, yes. Now we've talked about that with movies. We've talked about that with violent video games, and we've told you that it doesn't lead. It just can it can lead to those people who are susceptible to it. Uh, and now apparently the New York Times has decided, oh, you know what? Maybe there is something to that. You don't think it has anything to do with what they're saying in the impeachment trial, do you? Nah, that's too. Oh, also, the New York Times has come out with a new article about how Donald Trump has henchmen. 
He's got some people doing his bidding. He's got right-wing talk radio and how that has affected people all over this country to rise up in violence. Oh, yeah. My answer to the New York Times in 60 seconds. So you want one of the... Yeah, yeah. Gosh, and the Mandalorian, man, he scares me because I think he's here to cancel us. I'm just, every time I hear that Mandalorian voice, I'm like, that's Disney. And they're here to cancel yet another character. Um, My Pillow is our sponsor this half hour. If you're looking for a great pillow, My Pillow. You're looking for great sheets. And I mean, I, I mean, the best sheets I have slept on at the unbelievable low price. I think it's two for one. It's 70 bucks. Two for one. Or is it? Yeah. Or is it 35? I can't even remember. Either way, they are crazy inexpensive. And it's Giza cotton. It's the best cotton. And the more you use them, the softer they become. The more you wash them, the softer they become. But because it's Giza cotton, it's really, really sturdy and strong. It's not going to wear through. You know, And it's, it's great. You'll have a great night's sleep. You're going to find the uh, Giza dream sheets. You'll find the pillows and everything else that they have. With some specials going on now, just go to the new radio listener's specials at mypillow.com you click on that type in my name beck so you'll make sure that you get all of the uh, discounts but find all of their products they're really really good enter the promo code beck at 800-966-3117 800-966-3117 or mypillow.com promo code beck so i want to i want to start here i want to start with a uh, with a story Uh, And it's a true story. It's about Gandhi. A woman who took her son to see Gandhi because she couldn't stop him from eating candy. And it wasn't easy to get to Gandhi. It wasn't easy to see Gandhi. But she did. And she stood in front of Gandhi and and she said, My son, would you please tell my son how damaging sweets are, that he has to have a balanced diet. And Gandhi said, Come back in two weeks. She was really kind of smoked. I mean, she it was not easy. She she walked for miles with her son under uh, 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 under a scorching sun in India. And all, all the way, she's like, what was the point of that? Going to see him. And then he's like, come back in a couple of weeks. Well, they return home. She was exhausted. Two weeks later, her son is still obsessed with sugar candy and she makes the trek again gandhi says boy you need to stop eating candy sugar is bad for your health she looked at him and said you couldn't have said that the first time we were here what was the two-week wait for why didn't you say because that's all he said that is what he looked at her and he said I told you to come back in two weeks because I have an unhealthy love of sugar myself. And I needed two weeks in order to give up candy before I told someone else to do it. Now, the reason why I know this story is true, because there's some speculation that this is this is myth. But I know it to be true because Al Gore used it in his 1992 book, Earth in the Balance. So if 
anybody wants to fact check that, you better talk to Al Gore because I believe everything that Al Gore writes. The reason why I'm starting with that is because I have an unhealthy, uh, an unhealthy attraction to sweets myself. Sweets being what I'm about to talk about. So I'm not one to judge, but I'm at least one to recognize when there's a problem. I at least am striving to do better every day. I am striving to rise above my own personal petty emotions, my own personal gains or losses, and just do the right thing. Because I don't believe God is on my side or God is on your side. I believe we have to work for God to be, for us to be on God's side. He loves all of his children. And he's dismayed whenever we have an unhealthy attraction to sweets. With that being said, let me explain what has happened on a new story from the New York Times. There's a new story out from the Times that says how right-wing radio stoked anger before the Capitol siege. Shows hosted by Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and other talk radio stars promoted debunked claims of a stolen election and urged listeners to fight back. Okay, let me, that, that's the headline. Let me, let me just tell you what really happened. On Friday, Michael Greenbaum, who's the author of this ridiculous opinion piece that is disguised as news. Um, he wrote to me, hi, Glenn, Michael Greenbaum here at the New York Times. I'm a reporter covering media and politics. Uh, my hand was already on delete. <laughs> We're writing an article on conservative talk radio, specifically the content that aired in the period shortly before the attack on the U.S. Capitol. You are mentioned along with other prominent hosts, including Limbaugh and Hannity et al. Oh, man. I wonder, are they, they must be doing an honest search for the news. They want my opinion because uh, they want to be set straight. They want the other side. One example we cite is your January 4th broadcast in which you said, now remember, this is one example where we will cite you saying, quote, it's time to fight. It's time to rip and claw and rake. It's time to go to war. Everywhere you can find a battlefield, you'll find patriots fighting. You don't have to cower anymore. You don't have to back down. The country as we know it is over, and we're going to have to find ways to stop them. Wow, that's one powerful example. Mm. What else did I say? I want to go to the Capitol right now after right, hearing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, in that, quote, one example, mm -hmm. there are ellipses. Oh. Otherwise known as dot, dot, dot. <laughs> it's time to fight. It's time to rip and claw and rake. It's time to go to war. Dot, dot, dot. Everywhere you can find a battlefield, you'll find patriots fighting. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> More than one. You don't have to cower anymore. You don't have to back down. Dot, no. dot, dot. <laughs> the country as we know it is over. We're going to have to find ways to stop them. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of dot, that's dot, dots. That's a lot of dot, dot, dots. And I'm sure those dot, dot, dots. The four? They really don't matter. You know what I'm saying? They didn't remove anything. They probably removed like a commercial. 
Right, um, they did. You know, you know, this portion of the program brought to you by probably did that. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to ask you if you'd like to comment about that broadcast or in general about the impression that your show gave listeners about the accuracy of the election results. My email is, I'm so tempted. My phone number is, Gandhi, 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 Martin Luther King, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus didn't have a phone. He didn't live in those times, so he didn't technically say, don't give out somebody's phone number. But My deadline is Friday evening. Happy to answer any questions you have as well. Thank you, Michael. Oh, well, Michael, thank you so much for that. So I didn't call back. Uh, I know exactly what they're going to do. I was my uh, my response was. Well, it wasn't my index finger, but I know I I know I used a finger in my response um, and that was wrong. Jesus wouldn't have done that, but I still have an unhealthy taste for sweets. I'm a work in progress. Luckily, uh, my uh, uh, my CEO of Mercury, uh, Tyler Carden, uh, he got the same email and he decided to send that to our attorneys uh, and also our PR firm, you know, along with a transcript to find out what that, 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 that was. So I want to give you exactly what I said on January 4th. It's time to decide who we are. That's kind of the theme of today's program. Next hour at this time, I'm going to specifically ask who we are, who you are, because it's time to decide. But I'll tell you this. It's time to give the left exactly the same thing they have been giving us for at least four straight years. It is time to fight. Now, what would that mean, Stu? If I said prior to that, it's time to give them the same thing that they've given us for at least straight four straight years. It's time to fight. Was what was I referring to the nonviolent protests that have been happening over the summer? Hmm. Or was I referring to uh, the fight that they put up in Washington and the people that were colluding? To slow down or stop Donald Trump because his policies were crazy. Because to accuse you of saying something wrong there, you would, by definition, unless you, of course, dot, dot, dotted it all, you yada, yada it it away. (laughs) Right. Um, But you have to basically say that what the Democrats had been doing for the past four years was terrible, too. Because you're specifically right. saying mm. the same tactics. Now that's now that's weird, isn't it? Because I don't remember those stories from the New York Times, right? Where they were cr- highly critical of all the Democrats no. and all the things they were doing. No, when and you specifically say the same way they've been doing, right? And if you were going to say that's violent, well, then are you saying those peaceful protests are violent? <laughs> are you saying Antifa is somehow or another wrong and violent? Because that's a new story to me. But we haven't even gotten to it yet. Um, it's time for us to be given it, give to them at least uh, what they have given us for the four straight years. It's time to fight. It's time to rip and claw. It's time to go to war. That's where it went dot, dot, dot. But it's not a period there, and it's not an ellipse. It's actually a comma, which generally denotes that there's something else that is important 
that is following now yeah. as a part of that sentence. Did you just maybe say dot, 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 and then they were just transcribing you uh, say yeah, right, dot, dot, dot? That's what it was. Mm. It's time to go to war, comma, okay. as the left went to war four years ago. Wait, again, that same issue uh, comes up. weird. Where they would need to be highly critical of Democrats for the last four so, years to be critical of you now. What's weird about this mm. is you had to read the line right before it mm. and the line rightly after. After, Seems like too much work. Uh, I mean, you can't expect the New York Times to go through that much material. No. You know what I mean? You'd expect them. I, you know, I know that they get the facts from Media Matters, and they could not be expected to go and look this up. I mean, our transcripts are available, and uh, that's well, weird. They were available. Uh, at least some transcripts were available to the New York Times. Such an odd part of the story where they go through and they, they cite... Hannity, who said, I guess, things they didn't like about the this, the election being stolen in 35 of the 45 episodes, mm-hmm. and Limbaugh in 32 of the 45 episodes, as transcribed by MIT, the Massachusetts well, Institute of Technology? Maybe. Why, is would, that, they, why would they be doing... You know what it is? Is there another MIT I'm not thinking you of You know here? what it is? We're just so dumb, they need some uh, smart people to translate what we're huh, saying. Maybe that's it. Hey, you get some of them fancy people from MIT to transcribe. What is MIT doing? Is it the same MIT? I don't know. It I just mean, says MIT. Again, if it's not <laughs> MIT, as we all know, Massachusetts Institute of Technology... There's another misleading uh, comment from the New York oh, Times yeah. in the story. Actually, it does say, okay, a system maintained by researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, huh. which monitors radio broadcasts, transcribed what was said on leading conservative programs between November 22nd and January 5th. Okay, so then they had the transcript for me, too. Isn't that they, interesting they that they, they didn't give you the list of yeah? Times isn't that you interesting? Said, I mean, isn't that is, interesting? Oh, it's so frustrating, especially after how many years, how many shows, how many times, how many major public events you have held with the sole focus of being peaceful at rallies. Like it's been, you've talked about it. No offense, a hundred thousand times more than that was necessary. Like, I, yeah, no offense to you, but you have hit that so many times. Yeah, my staff hates me because yeah, of this. It, really, like, at times we was got irritating. It, we got it, Martin Luther King. We got okay, it. Okay, all right, okay. And then to take that, all right. Then to rip you out of context, yeah. to throw, to fill we the entire show begun. with ellipses. Yeah, we haven't even started yet. We haven't even started yet. Give me a chance to start. Uh, Let me take one minute, and then we'll go back in into it american financing you've worked hard to get where you are today and i'm assuming that uh you have you've done this by knowing the value of the dollar and if you're like me you hate to spend more on something that you really than than you really need to and especially when you're giving it to like your money to the big banks Uh, i think they're getting enough of our money through my tax dollars oh my gosh all right anyway uh you can save money you can give the banks less money, just the money that they are legally required to get. And that is in your terms of your mortgage. Well, refinance your mortgage. If you have something that is at 4%, even 3%, you could get a massive cut on your mortgage right now. Sometimes in the twos, which will save you hundreds of dollars. You can get it in a thousand or more if you roll in your credit cards without resetting the term of your loan. 
American Financing. Call them now, 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 10 seconds, station ID. Uh. It is time for us to give the left exactly the same thing they have been giving us for the last four straight years. It's time to fight, time to rip and claw, time to go to war as the left went to war four years ago. Well, even if you condemn the left and you win because you now you have to condemn what the left has been doing. I'm still uncomfortable with that. And when I read that, I thought, yeah, OK, well, they'd have to admit that they've been violent because I'm saying let's do what they've been doing. Um, and But I don't want to do what they're doing. And that's my first thought before I'm reading all of the transcript. But I had to read all the way, all the way down to the very next sentence. Oh, well, you can't expect. I mean, they're busy. Now, that's two sentences away from what they printed. So, again, you need a team of researchers from MIT to go that far. Yeah, they do have that. So, oh, it, does, yeah. it, it did put it. Oh, this. And we, well, yeah. that's a victory. Yeah, we should also point out there were one, two, three, four separate reporters by, uh, who had the byline on the story. Oh, okay. So they had the four reporters plus MIT working so, on this one. Could get to the next. So sentence. did they? Did they? Did they write the but? Did they write the whole thing? But our playbook will be different. Uh, no. 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 I okay. Don't see right. that in here? All right. Because I want to go back to how they actually did print. And how they got around those ellipses here in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, It's time to fight. Time to rip and rake. It's time to go to war as the left went to war four years ago. But our playbook will be different. Now, they don't expect us to actually stand up and stand together. They believe through their algorithms they can control and convince you to sit down. They believe they can convince you that you're all alone. Well, you're not. They think that you're going to roll over and show them our bellies, but you're not. Uh, Then I went into a little rant about Mitt Romney. (laughs) Mitt knows how to lose. Yes, he does. He's a loser. Yes, he didn't lose like Donald Trump lost. He lost because he was a bad candidate. Don't tell me, oh, no harm, no fouls. Let's move on. Let's come together. There is no coming together. I would love to come together, but I can't. I cannot stand with someone who won't stand for the Bill of Rights. You see, the left has a very different definition of words. Come together with Joe Biden means us when he says he wants us to all come together. What does it mean? Submit. That what it, that's what it means. The only thing that they have in mind is uniting the country into going in one direction. Theirs. No, the Constitution forbids me to go there. I talked to the president over the holiday, and I'll tell you about that coming up. But after I hung up, I thought there was so much more that I had to say to him. He has done a ton for this country. Maybe the most important thing was reminding us that you don't have to play by their rules anymore. You don't have to cower anymore. Back to the dot, dot, dot. This is how long you've had to go for that dot, dot, dot. You don't have to cower anymore. You don't have to back down when you're ridiculed into oblivion. You can fight uh, back. You just saw somebody do it. No, I'm not going to surrender and I'm not going to show, shut up. Now, I have to go two more pages before I get to the next dot, dot, dot. But they're really important. 
really important, and we wouldn't expect the New York Times to have anything in context. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Oh my gosh, he's going he's to cancel us. All right, let me tell you about Timeshare Termination Team. Uh... The, the word timeshare when you're younger is because Tanya and I went, uh, you know, uh, somebody said, hey, you want to talk about a timeshare? We were at some resort. You want to talk about a timeshare? And we're like, I don't know. Sure. They give you a free meal usually. Yeah. And we know? were like, wow, well, you know, that's a really good deal. Honey, we would love coming here all the time. Blah, 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 blah. Well, let us think about it. We'll call you when we get back home. Oh, that oh, you know wow. what? That's going to triple yeah, the price on gonna, it. You yeah. Gotta, oh, wow. We almost did it. Yeah. We almost <laughs> did it. So, I mean. It's pretty convincing sometimes. Oh, yeah, it is. And you're like, no, it'll be great. All I have to do is nine vacation weeks a year here, and it pays <laughs> for itself. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. Timeshare termination team uh, can get you out legally of what you've done, uh, and they have a 100% money-back guarantee for your exit. TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. Get out of that thing. It's a albatross around your neck. Oh, that's a literary reference for those of you who don't know because you're being educated now in our schools. 888-GET-YOU-OUT. 888-GET-YOU-OUT. TimeshareTerminationTeam.com. All right, go to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code Glenn. 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So uh, I'm just delivering a little missive to Michael Greenbaum and the editors uh, at the New York Times just to compliment them on their journalism is is really spectacular. Don't you think? I mean, it's really spectacular. It's the kind of uh, journalism that was done uh, in the uh, late 1950s and early 1960s, uh, you know, on uh, on people uh you know that were that that were standing up for their rights, uh, but then called uh, violent. You know, like Martin Luther King. Um, I think it's great. I, I've only got ten years of of saying there's going to come a time where you're going to want to physically fight. Don't do it. Turn the other way. Don't do it. You've got to listen to Martin Luther King, Gandhi, and Bonhoeffer. Fifteen years of saying that relentlessly. And uh, and the New York Times just can't seem to find any transcripts of me talking about that relentlessly. So I know who my audience is. I know who they are. And I know what they're capable of. And I know they're not morons like apparently the readers of the New York Times that need to need to uh, just, uh, I guess, be bamboozled by the the way you weave stories and use ellipses and don't give the full picture i guess i guess your readers you think are morons that they won't figure it out i don't think my listeners are morons i think my listeners know when i'm full of crap and they know when you're full of crap but michael uh said one example we cite in your january 4th uh, uh, broadcast in which you said it's time to fight it's time to rip and claw and rake it's time to go to war i already told you that's not a period there that's a comma and it says like the left went to war four years ago but they just went dot 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 everywhere you can find a battlefield you'll find patriots fighting dot 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 okay so wow time to go to war Everywhere you can find a battlefield, you'll find Patriots fighting. Where where was that in the monologue? Well, that was three pages 
after the last quote. Uh, and uh, and here's what I said. Um, I'm totally good. I'm good. I don't need fame. I don't need fortune. You know what my need is? My need is for someone to stand up and say, no, I'm not going there. It's pathetic to think that they all think we're going to back down and go back to usual. I have news, gang. You opened a can of whoop-ass, and you're about to get a dose of your own medicine, and it's only fair. Wow, that's threatening. Why didn't they include that one? Get ready for the fights in the courts, the fight in Congress, in the media, in Silicon Valley. Get ready for special prosecutors, maybe even an impeachment. Everywhere you can find a battlefield, you will find patriots fighting. And I'm sorry that they're shocked we're fighting the election, but the attacks on Donald Trump began before he was even inaugurated, and so will ours. But ours will be truthful. Ours will be constitutional. Ours will be righteous. And yes, ours will be relentless. Is constitu- Was the riot at the Capitol constitutional? No, it really wasn't. No? It really wasn't. Now, you gave a few examples there. Where there was what, yeah. what, Impeachment was the last one. Impeachment, a special prosecutor. Special prosecutors. In the courts, in the in media. The courts, media. Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Yeah. I didn't hear the Capitol. I didn't hear uh, hitting police uh, officers over the head with flagpoles. Well, they did say there. They did say. And that read, you have the article in front of you? Uh, uh, yes. You got you to gotta read it. Because they did say, while I didn't specifically call for riots no they do they do this thing where they're like well a lot of times republican talk show host people will say uh all these things like fight 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 and then they'll back off and hedge it with uh, but fight legally or nicely or peacefully like we're like it's a dog whistle (laughs) right again it's a dog whistle argument they are trying to make that point however it's it's you know obviously Again, over a decade of you saying over and over again, be peaceful at rallies in particular. (laughs) I know. But uh, the other thing we should also put into context here is this is not just any day. It's your first day back from vacation after Christmas vacation. And first monologue, the first monologue. And it's the big story of the day is the Georgia elections where, where you're talking about fighting to win. These seats in the Senate that were really important, that was the overwhelming t- topic of the day. You mean fight at the polls? No, that couldn't have been it. It was. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, read, read, just read the article with the, without the ellipses. So this is what they actually printed after, you know, after a few talks with, uh, with our team. Okay. Uh, this is what they printed. Now listen. Two days before a mob of Trump supporters invaded the United States Capitol, upending the nation's peaceful transition of power and leaving at least five people dead, the right-wing radio star Glenn Beck delivered a message to his flock of 10.5 Two days before. Two days before. 10.5 million listeners. What was that message? Quote, it's time to fight. End to, quote. End quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, now read the net. Read no. this exactly. Now I notice that is, in, the, in this, it said we have one example. It's time to fight. It's time to rip and claw and rake. It's time to go to war. Dot, dot, dot. Everywhere you can find a battlefield, you'll find patriots fighting. Dot, dot, dot. You don't have to cower anymore. You don't have to back down. Dot, dot, dot. The country as we know it is over. We're going to have to find ways to stop them. Now, your pushback obviously did something because they did include more than they initially were going to Correct. include. Correct. They say, uh, it's time to fight. It's time to rip and claw and rake, end quote, Mr. Beck said on his January 4th broadcast. Start quote, it's time to go to war. Stop. So they've replaced the ellipses 
with their commentary, Mr. Beck said. So it looks like it's the same paragraph. Well, this one. uh, Come on, you read. It's time to rip and claw and rake. Was that the. That's the first one. I thought it ended with it. No, no, no. Time to go to war. No, no. It's time to fight. It's time to rip, claw and rake. It's time to go to war. Yeah, that's one sentence. Right. So they keep that all together. Correct. Instead of the dot, 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 though, they do now add. After it's time to go to war, they say, as the left went to war four years ago. Yes, which it's hard to cut a sentence in half, Mm -hmm. but, you know, so... Uh, okay. for, a former Fox News host, Mr. Beck, has speculated for weeks about baseless claims of voter fraud in the presidential race. I have all sorts of problems with that uh, summary of that situation, but mm-hmm. we'll leave that because we'll run out of time. Uh, he told listeners that Donald Trump um, had uh, taught conservatives that you, quote, don't have to cower anymore. You don't have to back down when ridiculed into oblivion. You How can fight bad? back, end quote. How's that bad? Of course. I mean that. How's that bad? Saying you We've don't need always to been like, oh, my gosh. OK, I guess we are racist. No, you're not. Right. You're not. There is real racism. Just because you're white, you're not a racist. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to stand up against that. Exactly what a white racist would say. Exactly right. Uh, The article goes on. Mr. Beck did not lobby for his listeners to invade the Capitol. Oh, there you go. He did actually put that in there. Good job. And a day and just just tossed it in the, the fourth paragraph after saying you're so evil. Uh, And a day later, he urged marchers in Washington quote, to really kind of channel your inner Martin Luther King, end quote, adding that violence is, quote, just not who we've ever been, end now, you, quote. you notice, I mean, I've been very eloquent on nonviolence. Yes. But they take the quote where I say, you know, kind of just channel kind of your, you know, that Martin Luther King thing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, you've it's get, amazing. Get, you get the, the theme of the speech you gave in Washington, D.C., in front of 500,000 people. That they reported that they it reported was meandering and they didn't even understand. It was nothing but eloquent speech about being peaceful uh, and being a peaceful movement and emulating Martin Luther king oh okay but they go on but the language so they say look yeah channel your inner martin luther king adding the violence is quote quote just not who we've ever been end quote but the language he used on his january 4th show was typical of the aggressive rhetoric that permeated conservative talk radio in the weeks before the washington siege so like the fact that you again what else is typical about your show uh, a decade <laughs> of blathering on about Martin Luther King okay, and how great the guy to, is. God to God to God. We used to mock you incessantly about how often you talked about that. They don't put that in. They act as if it's some throw-in statement the I next know, day. I know. It's been the theme because of the, the show for be, a decade. Because to them, it is a throwaway line. Right. Because they, they don't, don't listen. I cannot program to people who don't listen yes. to the show. Right. I can't speak to those who don't listen to the show. I'm not going to write or or formulate thoughts for people who don't listen. I mean, the the, the posters of all of these of these restoring events. We walked through Birmingham. But we did an event in Birmingham. We walked through Birmingham. Does anybody remember any of this? You you did you did an event called Restoring Love. <laughs> You're a conservative talk show host got a hundred thousand people to go to Cowboy Stadium, uh, AT and T Stadium, 
so they could restore freaking love. And that's how they summarize your career. Yeah. Well, what you one quote completely out of context with 9000 ellipses. It doesn't. Oh, it's so frustrating. So here. So here. (sighs) I thank you for that, because Gandhi would Gandhi (laughs) wouldn't have said those things. But I'm glad Mm. my this Gandhi. Mm. As you, uh, all right. God, it would have been funny if Gandhi was like, "But I peace, just let's peace." Yeah, you know what? These bastards. <laughs> so listen, 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 listen. Here's what I here's what I really want you to know. I want you to picture this: two bighorn rams on a hill, facing off. They're about to headbutt each other, and the instigra- and the instigating ram charges forward. Well, usually the other ram will start charging back. If that ram just steps to one side, the other ram goes off the cliff. Whoa, you were supposed to stop me. The New York Times is the first ram. They're the instigator. They pick to fight. They're barreling towards us. They expect us to fight back. You know, take the hit and make it worse. Yeah. That just really proves that their ridiculous statement has some validity. No. The New York Times is the one, and we're going to be posting things on glenbeck.com. The New York Times is the one that has excused violence uh, and now have people working for them that would say that Martin Luther King's message is wrong. So I'm not, I'm not even, it doesn't bother me. Gandhi defined his form of civil disobedience as a force of truth in love. He wrote, and I quote, nonviolence is in its active form, goodwill towards all life. It's pure love. Again, I'm addicted to sweets. I am having a hard time with that, but I'm trying. He believed the permanent good can never outcome the untruth or can never, uh, uh, never be the outcome of untruth and violence. He made no exceptions He said, I reject violence because when it appears to do good, the good is only temporary. The evil it does is permanent. Now, at one point, a British politician came up to Gandhi and tried to connect with him and said, look, Mr. Gandhi, we're both men of God, aren't we? And Gandhi said, no, you're a politician disguised as a man of God. I'm a man of God disguised as a politician. The New York Times is an activist disguised as a truth teller. The opening chapter of his book, Power of Nonviolence, Gandhi wrote, beyond the, limited, uh, beyond the limited truths, there is one absolute truth in which is total and all-embracing. But it's indescribable because it's God. Or say, rather, God is truth. Other things, therefore, can only be true in a relative sense. The New York Times will never understand that. The New York Times looks for relative truth. They look for their own personal truth. I look for eternal truth. And all things are measured against eternal truth. That's why violence in the streets never works. All right. Real estate agents, I trust, is here to remind you that if you are looking to sell your house, oh boy, Rosie O'Donnell, she's trying to sell her house. She's been trying to sell her house for five years, $7 million. 
Really? Yeah. She's having a hard time uh, because it's in New Jersey. And I just can't imagine how many people are like, I've got to buy a $7 million house in New Jersey. <laughs> Now's the time to rush Now's to Jersey. Now's the time. Yeah. yeah, that thing's collapsing, but man, I'm going to go in while everybody's selling. You better like the house, too, because they're not going to let you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so realestateagentsitrust.com can help you if uh, you're not Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, and, uh, well, we'd probably be men of peace and love, and we would probably help relieve her of that house if we could. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, it's realestateagentsitrust.com. This is my company. It was designed to be a free service to you just to connect you with the best real estate agent that has your values, does business the right way, and will uh, get your home sold or your next home bought for the right amount of money and do it simply and quickly. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, everybody, it's Black History Month, uh, and uh, next hour, we're going to talk about black history. In fact, I got up this morning, and I was uh, reading on my Apple News, all the important news, uh, Oprah, the Oprah magazine, has done a really good job at giving you half the story on black uh, history. Um, and I, 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 I just... I thought we would, you know, maybe, I mean, far be it from me to say that Oprah isn't the greatest historian of all time. Um, but uh, I think that we need to uh, look at some of the things that she said and, uh, and, and fill in some of the blanks. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be tweeting out something from the Rand Corporation, you know, uh, the Vietnam Papers, CIA front people. Uh, it was great. The domestic violent extremists will be harder to combat than homegrown jihadists. Uh, so, you know, the people that were involved in that capital attack, uh, they have larger consistent, uh, uh, um, uh, larger, uh, cons- I, now I, I, larger groups of people, domestic extremists are better organized. The nation has not been galvanized against them because we haven't had a 9-11 yet. They're far better armed. They're more white right-wing experience. Uh, the, the, the people that have military and police training and preventing the radicalization may not work this time. It's an amazing, amazing story um, about the right-wing extremists, formerly known as the GOP. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, There is an editorial about one of our guests uh, coming up, uh, Burgess Owens, who misunderstands American athletes who seek a better America. Well, thank you, Gordon. I appreciate that, and I'm sure Burgess appreciates being talked down to, uh, being pretty much labeled a white guy, even though he's black. He misunderstands, but you, as a writer... Well, you understand him. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, that with Burgess here in just a second. We're not concentrating on that. We are concentrating on the point of what Burgess is doing. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the importance of black history on Black History Month. This is going to drive all of the left out of their mind. But as we have told you for almost 20 years now, black history has been erased and people have been, the, the culture was disemboweled. And they tried to uh, tell 
blacks that you don't have any heroes. You don't have any good connection to this country. It's absolutely untrue. And it's getting worse. David Barton is also here to tell us about that and share some really cool historic stuff in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So we got a little cold snap here in Texas. Everybody is freaking out. Uh, you know, cause they, they, the people who grew up in Texas are like, it's it's got ice. There's ice, I guess, somewhere on the ground. It's cold. It's like 30 degrees. What do we do? Shut everything down. Uh, it is a little cold here, but I will be uh, using my Rectech grill uh, outside today because, uh, you know, you look at people. We've lived up north. You have no idea what cold is, uh, but you don't even have to stand out in the cold. If you have a Rectech, you get a Rectech. You can start it from an app on your phone. The only time you have to go outside is to put the, f- the steak on the grill and then pull it off when it's done. That's where my forced child labor comes in. I'm just saying. Rectech, it's amazing. Cooks everything to perfection. It's built like a tank. You're going to be glad you got one once you've tried it. AB, compare them with the best in the business. You will find the best in the business is Rectech. R-E-C-T-E-Q dot com. Rectech dot com. Joining us now, David Barton, founder of Wall Builders. Uh, and the author of The American Story, which is a book everyone should own. Get The American Story by uh, David Barton. It is, it is pithy in its stories. It is comprehensive. It's the best starter kit on American history I think I've, I've ever seen. It's called The American Story. You can buy it on Amazon or wherever you buy your books by David Barton. Welcome, David. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Hey, Stu. Uh, hey, not a bad little uh, endorsement there. No, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's I'll keep me. that one. He's okay. paying me, yeah. I <laughs> uh, didn't mean a word of it, Stu. Um, we, have, we have Burgess Owens on uh, with us as uh, well. Congressman, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Glenn. Good. Pleasure talking with you. Looking forward to it, for sure. Uh, well, I don't know if we can really, uh, you know, as two white guys, uh, you know, as I've learned from Salt Lake Tribune, <laughs> White guys can probably understand the black plight a little bit better than you because you were an athlete. You made a lot of money, you know, white privilege, white privilege, white privilege. So what do you really understand about the black culture and plight? Well, I think it's interesting. This is something I have to keep in mind is the, the condescending attitude of these uh, leftists. And by the way, I want to make a very, very clear point. I'm not talking about liberals. I'm talking about leftists. Uh, these are folks who don't have the same values, the same desire to have the end game that uh, conservatives and liberals have, good people have. Uh, he's, he's, uh, this is probably the only time he's ever thought about the plight of, of black Americans, particularly our young kids, if we watch them uh, go down the tubes for decades. And he stands up and puts me down because I say we need to be proud of our country. Look at the history we've had. Look how far we've come. And if we can do it back in the 60s, we can do it in 2020, 21. But no, the leftists like this, uh, the Salt Lake trip, uh, and by the way, can I say this also? Yeah. Do not take do not take the, the lead of leftist uh, papers. Read the art, read the uh, these uh, the headlines. Go, they, they they have they don't believe that we have the, the the intelligence to read through the article to find the truth. So they have these these remarkable headlines that we that people get caught up in. Just know that's a, that's a that's a another tool that the left does. Uh, but you'll you'll find again. That my message, very simply, is that Americans, no matter where they come from, what, what background or color, can make it in this country by working hard and going by the tenets that we've been talking about uh, throughout the last year or so I've been talking with you. And that is, the, that is the thing that we all used to melt in. We used to have a melting pot, and we <laughs> melted in. We brought our own culture, our own things, 
But we melted into this idea that anybody can make it here, that all men are created equal when we lived up to our highest values, which is not all the time. But when we live up to those, that's what Martin Luther King was saying. America, he wasn't trashing America. He was saying, live up to your founding words. It's the same thing that I think Frederick Douglass, you know, at first he didn't like the Constitution. Then he was asked, did you read it? And he read it. And David, what happened? He completely turned around. He said there is not a single anti-slavery word in that document. He'd been taught there was by white abolitionists who were really anti-Constitution. When he became a full-time speaker for the Massachusetts Abolition Society, he said, I have a responsibility to know what I'm talking about. So he read the Constitution. He said he went through an epiphany, completely changed his view of founding fathers. It's interesting. Frederick Douglass in his life wrote an autobiography three times. He wrote an autobiography when he was young, when he's middle-aged, and when he's older. And you can see the transition he went through, the love and respect that he comes up with for the country that he did not have at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of activists love to quote his speech on the 4th of July where he thinks we're not included, we're not part of this. That's earlier in life. As you see him get later in life, he has a whole different viewpoint. And and that inclusion comes from knowing history, and that's something he did not know as a slave. Once he studied it out, once he found it, it was a whole different American story than what he knew. And I will tell you this. I feel the same way on on American history, the white aspects of it, the black aspects of it, the the, uh, yellow. and I mean, it just doesn't matter what color you are. But when you see how history has been shaped and written and then rewritten and deleted, you could spend a long time, especially if you're an African-American, going, what the who did this? How come I don't know those stories? How come I only know these four people and I've never heard of people like Phyllis Wheatley? Uh, Well, there is a reason you don't know it. And it is the progressives that did this. Yeah, a real change, a visible change you can see in 1902 when Woodrow Wilson came out with his five-volume set, The History of the American People. And in that five-volume set, and it's a comprehensive history, except it has not a single black person in it, not even Frederick Douglass, who was more photographed than Abraham Lincoln was. Wow. This, this is a guy that was, Wilson was alive with Frederick Douglass, and he doesn't even put him in the book. Not a single Klan is in that book, all. though, isn't it? That's what? The Klan is in that book, I think. Uh, yeah, th- that is the book that the Klan used for the rebirth of the Klan, the right. second revival of the Klan. And so, but academics look at it and say, my gosh, he's the president of Princeton University. He's a president, he, he's a professor at three universities. This is such a smart work. This is such a brilliant guy. Let's use this. And that's the basis of black history today, which is why on Black History Month, <laughs> you usually get MLK and Rosa Parks and 20th century folks. Uh, you, you get Malcolm X and W. Beater boys, but you get very little of the Jack Sissons or the James Armisteads or all the heroes from the American Revolution that were genuine heroes. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, Oprah Magazine just did something on Apple, and I was uh, looking at the Apple News uh, app today, and it's, you know, Oprah teaches black history, and the first one she taught was Phyllis Wheatley. Um, however, uh, she's leaving out an awful lot, and, the, and what's amazing is she's like, hey, these are people you've never heard of, and I thought, no, people... In my audience, they know them. They've they mm-hmm. we've talked about Phyllis Wheatley forever. But in this, uh, she says Phyllis Wheatley was the first African American to publish a book of poetry, poems on various subjects, religious and moral. In 1773, born in Gambia, sold to the Wheatley family in Boston when she was seven. Wheatley was emancipated shortly after her book was released. Wow, is that the Phyllis Wheatley story? 
Uh, I think they missed some major points some in this story. Some major points. Yeah. First of all, she was the first African-American to publish a book as a slave? Yeah, she, How did she that didn't happen? publish a book. She did not publish a book. Her book was published, but she did not publish a Who book. Who published that? It was published by Selena, Countess of Huntington, uh, English sponsor. She was in England, and the book was published in England, not in America. And so she was actually taken to England for her health. Her health was not good while she was there. Uh, this this great lady, she, she's called Lady Bountiful. I mean, she put her money into really this good endeavors. This is a woman who really changed, she everything. changed everything. Nobody knows who she is. Right. We should talk about her sometime. Uh, she's a white woman. Nobody knows who she is, but she actually changed the course of the country and religion. You know, it's interesting that, that in the founding era, uh, the concept of separating whites and blacks is not nearly as prominent as it was in the Civil War. And so in so many places, even where there was slavery, there was not the segregation. Let me just give right. an example. Something we found just in the last few months was in the American Revolution, we cannot find a single battle that had segregated units in fighting. All blacks, all whites fought together throughout right. the American Revolution. It was a total volunteer army. And which means you had to re-enlist if you wanted to fight more than six months. You sign up for six months. Mm-hmm. That's it. The average black soldier served nine times longer than the average white soldier did, and that's on voluntary re-enlistments. They averaged an, uh, nine enlistments. The average black soldier did. Average white soldier was white. Um, was one. So nine times longer with, with black guys in a volunteer army serving side by side. No segregated units. I mean, the the narrative you said earlier, we're a melting pot even back then. We looked at George Washington's generals. Out of 76 generals he had, 28 of them came from foreign nations. So just over one-third of his generals foreign nations. You look at all the ladies involved. You look at all the black heroes involved. We used to know that. Thank you, Woodrow Wilson. We know none of that now. Phyllis Wheatley, I just want to go back to her real quick, um, emancipated shortly after her book was released. What she leaves out is the important part that Ben Franklin, if I'm not mistaken, used to take her from town to town and had and would bring her in front of white audiences to read her poetry, basically in a way of saying uh, anybody who says black people are stupid, uh, I like you to meet somebody. George Washington did the same thing. George Washington had her kind of as the first USO for American troops. George Washington had Phyllis Wheatley read her poetry to the officers at Cambridge when they had the siege of Boston going on. He brought Phyllis Wheatley in to, to read to the Why troops. would you do that if you hated all black people? Why would you do that if you thought they were animals? Well, you wouldn't do that. You, you wouldn't do that. And, but this, you don't hear this because it goes against the narrative they're trying to create today. They're cutting out major portions of black history in order to create a new narrative that goes in the wrong direction. And I want to talk about that. Let me give you one minute. I'm going to go to you, Burgess, uh, okay. on, on, on what we were just talking about. And I want to change it a little bit to what's happening right now. Because, Burgess, you've been doing a great thing on Twitter. You've been tweeting out black history. And you're getting hammered. You're getting hammered. Uh, and I want to talk to you about that coming up in a second, because okay. something else is happening around the country uh, where uh, we're changing history again, and it is not in a good way. Let me tell you about our sponsor. It's Goldline. They are still offering their 6 per, uh, 6% promotional medals delivered directly to you with a qualifying retirement account purchase. 
Also, Goldline Special on graded Liberty Coins is still going strong. They've acquired additional inventory due to the explosive uh, popularity and unprecedented demand of this historic American coin. It's one of my favorites. It's the one that I buy. Um, I bought it in the past. They're hard to get. These are all uh, graded by an independent grading agency for the weight and the purity and the condition, so you know exactly what you're buying. Um, if you're developing a collection of gold coins... Not it's no. This is not a banking instrument. This is not currency. It's a collection. Inventory is uh, limited. You have to call uh, daily to find out what they have and some of the new specials that they have. Goldline, call them now. Eight six six Goldline. They're waiting for your call. Eight six six Goldline or Goldline dot com. Ten second station ID. Burgess, let me pick it up with you. Okay. Um, uh, you wanted to comment on what we were just talking about. Yes, I do. Um, and, and this is why history is so important. Um, and by the way, I'm blessed. When I, when I was raised in my segregated community of the 60s, we were taught history. We were taught pride in our country. Matter of fact, what we had in common with all the other different cultures around our country, Jewish, German, Polish, we were not assimilating at that time. But what we had in common is love for our country. We had love for our history. And the fact we were called Americans, our goal very simply was to get, gain respect, command respect from our fellow Americans by beating them out. It's called meritocracy. And that's where we're going. So understand that this has been an attack on our country for a long, long time. It was Karl Marx, the Marxist Karl Marx. They said the first battleground you're writing of history. Because in our history, we find pride. We find pride in our past, we find appreciation for where we are today, and a vision for our future. And our vision for America has always been to look at each other better from inside out versus outside in, and to understand what we have in common is what makes us so unique and so great as a nation. Uh, I tell you, I, 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 can experience, I can tell you something right now that I never thought when I was in the 60s growing up that I'm now this part of my family. My family is black, white, Hispanic, American Indian, Trinidadian, and if I did some more genealogy, I'd probably find some more. That is the way our country has always been defined. And what we have to understand is there are people out there who do not want us to come together. The we, the people, the most powerful three words in the history of mankind, says that we see ourselves as a unit, as a team, and we get past our difference because we have the same end game. This leftist group, the cowards and the bullies, the people who hide behind liberalism, they hide behind uh, 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 media, they hide behind a computer screen. You can't see them, but they're empowered by destroying people's lives. And that's what we're up against right now. And understand it: the more we know about our history, the more those guys lose because we become proud of who we are. And by the way, that's why they've been trying these leftists in the NFL, the NBA, trying to get rid of our flag, our national anthem, uh, uh, our worshiping God. Those are the things that keep us as a unit focused on something we have in common. It allows us to go to a game and whether we are conservative or liberal, we can root for our team and high five because we're on the same team. So understand that's what they're trying to do, divide us. And they take that, they do that by taking away our history that shows what we've done together is remarkable. By the way, Jeremiah Hamilton in 1821, before the Civil War, was a, was a stockbroker in New York. He died in 1874, worth over $240 million today. That's the kind of things that happen. You have Betsy Coleman. Wait, wait, wait. He was black. Bla oh, yeah, I'm in sorry. 18, in <laughs> 1821, he's a stockbroker. How's that possible? Worth 200 and some million dollars in today's dollars at his death. How is that possible? We don't know that man. Yep. And it's possible because here's the deal that we have to understand in our country. It doesn't matter how we get here, how long we've been here, what language we speak. If we focus on four things, our faith, our, the free market, 
um, uh, education and our family, we can become part of the middle class or beyond. Everyone who succeeds this country does it through meritocracy. They do it to the fact of, of, of a commanding respect. And people like uh, Jeremiah or Betsy Coleman are the first uh, uh, black pilot, international and national pilot. She, she passed away in 1960, in, in, in 1934 in, a, in, a, in an accident. But those are the kind of folks we don't know about. Uh, Dr. Drew, I'm, I'm sure you know, uh, Dr. Charles Drew, yeah. the, the, the founder of the, the, the blood bank. There's so many of this, so much of our history that goes on. And if, if we were to know that, guess what happens to black Americans, black mm-hmm. youth? They said, if they can do it back in those days, I can do it today. I'm so proud to have this lineage that shows what, 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 what great Americans can do. I'm just thankful I grew up in a time where I saw them first time. I'm so blessed. It's not hypothetical to me. And, David, it is becoming uh, more and more difficult to find that. You saw something happen this week that you've never seen before. Yeah, we, we have seen... Um We've really encouraged legislators to really get into black history as in a way to expand the names. The, the names you just got from, from Burgess, you know, that. You, you add a, a Biddy Mason, you add a Clara Brown, you add a Stephen Smith, a Charles Patterson. To All, guarantee, uh, I don't know any of those. We, we have legislators now standing on the floor of the legislatures in the mornings with a three to five minute reading on a black hero that they've never heard before, the kind of people we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. just expanding the field. And so two black history resolutions were voted down just in the past week, and the argument was that you're presenting blacks in a way that make them look like they're victors and overcoming, not like they're victims, and that that hurts the movement. So we're voting this down because we we don't want that image out there. Right. It does hurt the movement, but by doing the reverse, it hurts the people. That's right. Well, it hurts truth. And and truth is our objective. You always tell the truth, the good, the bad, the ugly. And there's plenty of bad and ugly with racism, discrimination. But what I'm saying is if you're only telling the downside, you're not only just ignoring the truth of the full picture. um, You are hurting people because all they hear is, you can't make it. That's You're right. a victim, that's and right. that is destructive. That's battery acid to the soul. That's right. That that will just that's battery acid to the country as well. Yeah. you will not survive that. So, uh, go ahead. Can I can I add this uh, to that point? Because it really is all about stereotyping. And what I knew growing up is that there was a, a mentality, particularly by the Democratic Party, that blacks were not capable. We're not intelligent. We were not uh, disciplined. We're not all those negative stereotypes. And, and, and when you look back, you see Martin Luther King um, marching during the summer months down south. Understand, see, remember this, they're, they're, they're walking in white shirts and dark ties. Mm-hmm. They're walking dressed. They're walking in a, in a way that's very disciplined because they were not only beating, beating out the Jim Crow laws, they were beating out the democratic stereotypes that black people were not capable. When I came to the NFL in 1973, there were no black quarterbacks, no black middle linebackers, no black uh, uh, free safeties, because those are, quote, white men leadership positions. We don't think that way anymore. Any any position that a person is able to to win out, they earn it and they get millions of dollars to do it. So we've grown in that area, but only in athletics. Why is it that the leftists do not want to have us, they have us in affirmative action when it comes down to thinking, but does not have us in term of affirmative action when it comes down to sports. That's one of the stereotypes that we have to understand that's against us. We do more than sports and singing and dancing. We can compete in any area that we go up against if we study, we work, and we feel good that we can achieve those opportunities. That's what they're taking away when we have Snoopy Dogg as our hero instead of Ben Carson. All right, um, I'm going to come back in just a minute. We're going to continue our conversation and tell you some stories that you've never heard before uh, as we uh, celebrate uh, Black History Month and do it really in spite 
of all of the haters and the cancel culture that will come after the three of us for doing this hour when all we're trying to say is blacks have a rich, rich American history that they should know. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Relief Factor. Connie lives in Nevada. She had come to some bad news a while ago. She was told nothing could be done for her back and hip pain that she'd been plagued with for a while. Pain just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And when somebody says there's nothing you can do about it, it's really rough. And for a while, you'll fight that. And then, you know, you go more people and they say there's nothing really can do about it. And uh, when you see a glimmer of hope, you jump on it. Well, she saw an ad on TV for Relief Factor. Uh, she wasn't really hopeful, but she's like, uh, everybody says nothing will work. I'll give it a shot. Well, she said it started working within two days. The pain began to subside. She kept going with Relief Factor. And these days she's reporting that she has no pain. She goes to bed at, at night pain free, wakes up the next morning pain free. Connie got her life back. So could you. Relief Factor isn't a drug. It was developed by doctors, and 70% of the people who go on to try it order more. 70%. So try the three-week uh, three quick start and see if you're part of the 70% that actually will see real results. It's relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. 800-500-8384. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to it. Uh, we are talking Black History uh, Month in a, ways, in a way that will make, um, you know, the cancel culture uh, scream with glee because, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're talking about it. Uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about it in an accurate way and we're giving the balance. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really bad uh, in American history and there's also a lot of really good in American history, and we cover the bad and the good. Um, let's start with a let's start with an early war hero, David. Let's go to the American Revolution to a guy named Jack Sisson. In 1778, America's second in command militarily had been captured. Charles Lee. He's right behind George Washington. We are a volunteer citizen army. We need our military commanders. So we just lost a second in command. Only way you get him back is to have a prisoner exchange with someone of like value. And that means Richard Prescott, who is the second command for the British under Cornwallis. So Colonel William Barton in Rhode Island says, I think I've got a plan to capture the second command. He says it's going to be really hard. It's a suicide mission. Mm. And he laid out his plan. He, he asked for volunteers because he said, you're not, this mission, you're not allowed to take any guns because if you shoot a gun, the British will know we're coming and we'll all be dead. So you can't take any weapons with you. It's a complete suicide mission. I need only volunteers. 20 blacks and 20 whites volunteered for that mission. Mm. This is essentially kind of the first special forces or SEAL team mission. And what happened was Richard Prescott is sitting on an island in the middle of the harbor in Rhode Island. Uh, they're outside of Providence. The British fleet is surrounding the island. They're all parked there. There is a fortress in the middle of the island, and General Prescott is barricaded inside the fortress. Jeez. It's going to be a piece of cake. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Easy. Don't so, worry about it. So what happens is they they take out about 2 in the morning with with several boats, uh, and they put these, these 40 guys in the boats. Jack Sisson's in the first boat right up front. And they put what they call mufflers on their oars. They have to row under the British Navy. So they, and that's they just like 
towels around that's right. the oars. It, it wrapped right? the end of the oars yeah. with, with cloth, so as you go through the water, you're not splashing. Mm-hmm. So they, they row right under the British fleet. They get to the island. The, the British guards aren't expecting anyone. They quickly knock out all the British sentries and British guards around the fortress. They look to find out where, where the general is, General Prescott is. He's barricaded inside a room, wrought iron hinges. Uh, it's an oak door. It's an oak bar on the inside of the door. And they say, oh, my gosh, to beat that down with hammers, everybody's going to know we're here. Mm-hmm. And that's when Jack Sisson said, get out of my way. And he backed up down the hall. He charged the door with his head and shoulder popped the hinges, broke the oak, broke the inside bar of the door, kept going right inside the room. General Prescott set up in bed to see what was happening. He knocked him out cold with one hit. <laughs> he picked him up, put him under his arm, and walked down the hall with the general under his arm, got back in the boat, rowed across the harbor, and they had the prisoner exchange. We got our second command back. It was a black patriot, Jack Sisson, who essentially is the first SEAL team now, member. You would say that is, and I know SEAL team members like that. I mean, I've got a guy who works on my staff, uh, Craig, who was a Royal Marine, who would be just like that. Yep. But you'd hear that story and you'd say, that's just a fake. That's, you know, oh, and, you know, uh, what was his name? Uh, big John Henry. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And he was a big man and he, you know, pounded his way through a mountain. But this is true. This is true. This is all documented. Uh, this is documented in a, in a number of early books. And it's, it's just so much fun. As a matter of fact, if you go to the first of the American Revolution, John Adams said it began at the Boston Massacre. The first man shot in the Boston Massacre, Crispus Attucks, a black man. You go to the last battle of the American Revolution, the Battle of, of Yorktown, George Washington and Alexander and Lafayette, Marquis de Lafayette, two white guys say the reason we won that battle was a black man, James Armistead. The American Revolution starts with the black man and ends with the black man. You don't get that in history today, but the founding fathers who were there pointed those black people as being the reason that we started, the reason we ended all the way through. And there's stories like Jack Sisson. This is this book from uh, William Nail, 1851, called Colored Patriots of the American Revolution. It's Mm -hmm. not a skinny book, and it's nothing but the black heroes of the American Revolution we no longer study today. Uh, Burgess, you brought up the uh, stockbroker on Wall Street from 1821, dies in the 1880s, uh, a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Um, and I know you, you've tweeted out somebody that, uh, uh, you know, I didn't know. I don't know if, if most people uh, knew at the time, uh, Madam C.J. Walker. Uh, oh, gosh, yes. And why, is it that, why is it that it seems that every single I mean, you ask the average American, who is the first really successful black woman? And I bet you most will say outside of music, Oprah. Oprah It it couldn't be further from the truth. No, and and that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And and that's actually uh, when you steal people's history, tell they spill this, this, you steal the pride in their in their their past and who they are. Uh, And I think that's so unfortunate. I mean, we can go through a litany of success, but let me just kind of. Summarize it in this one way. It is something that we understand how bad things were in terms of our country. It was we're not assimilating, segregation was going strong. But yet in the 40s, because of this, this, this one thing that we all as as uh, as, as black Americans agreed in, we we loved our country, God, family, respect of women and authority. Bottom line, and we had a dad in home that made sure you understood what that meant. Mm-hmm. What is that? What does that come down to? Well, in the 40s, 50s, and the 60s, because black Americans coming back, particularly from the war understood that they can achieve anything in a segregated community. Mm-hmm. So what did that look like in terms of competing with the rest of our nation? We led the country in the growth of the middle class. 
We led the country men matriculate from college because college was our, was our doorway. I have a grandfather who had four, 12 kids. Every single one of them graduated from college. He was a farmer. We led the country in terms of men matriculating from college, men committed to marriage over 70% in percentage of entrepreneurs. 40% of entrepreneurs across our country equated to 50 to 60% of, of black Americans living the American dream. In 1960, I had, a, I had an uncle who had a business, he, he was, a, was an entrepreneur, but he also loved flying, so he bought a plane so he could take, take mail from one base in, in Texas to Chicago, his part-time job. He, 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 flew to, he flew to Tallahassee at the age of, of 10 years old, had a chance to experience my first flight. Now, we were not rich, we were middle class, but the bottom line is we believed that anything was possible because it's saw around us. That's what we have to keep in mind, and t- t- today particularly, we have to understand what's going on. Just think about this, Glenn. Uh, I'm a black American, a third black to go to the University of Miami, I graduated in biology because I had a dad who taught education, a mom and dad who taught education, mm. was a Super Bowl champion. The most important chapter of my life was failing after that. So for a few months, I was a chimney sweep and a security guard because we were taught to man up. If you had to do whatever you had to do to do it honestly for your, for your mm. family. And out of that, I had achieved my dreams. And we talked about this for years when I started a foundation for Second Chance of Youth. But here's where we are today. Today, I'm a ranking member as a freshman for a, for a subcommittee in the education labor. Where else can that happen in America? By the way, that's not gonna happen in the Democratic Party. They will not allow a man like me, a person like me, to take be a ranking member as a freshman because they're all about seniority. They're all about making sure that the right people keep in order and then those who want to rise, they have to toe the line. They can, they, have to, they can turn against their race, they can put me leaders, they can do anything, they can vote against choice in school, they can vote for abortion for, for our babies, they can vote for anything that hurts our country and our, and our race, as long as they know they're going for power and they have these white leaders that they're gonna make sure they keep, keep, uh, keep charge. So I, we have America, the American dream all across our country. Ben Carson, Condi Rice, Justice uh, Thompson, all came from that same generation of Americans who love God, country, family, respect for women and authority. And we have to get back to that. And that's what the left does not want us to happen. They do not want us to talk about our past so our kids can grow up and say, you know what? If he can do that, I can do it. What do I need to do? How about this? Love your God, country, family, respect for women and authority. Bottom line, you do that, this country will reward you in a big, big way. I don't care what color you are. Um, David, uh, we're going to run out of time. And I, I know you're sitting here with tons of stories. Um, uh, maybe we'll do something next week uh, mm-hmm. if we can have you back. Maybe I'll do a, a podcast with you guys. Um, uh, but I, I wanted to bring this to the 1619 Project because that is a lie. It is a literal reimagining, keyword imagining, a reimagining of American history. They, they themselves have had to admit at the New York Times it's not based on fact. It's... It's a dreamt up idea for us to think about what the world would be like if that were the way America was founded. Um, but it is it is being taught in schools. It's there's one school district or state that I saw yesterday said no to the uh, 1619 project, but it's sweeping. We have an opportunity and we took it based on based on faith and maybe a little bit of insanity. Um, we took an opportunity to buy the largest collection of, of Pilgrim and pre-1700 uh, American history in the world. That's right. It is a gigantic collection. It is. 
Tell me what's in it and why it's important. Uh, let me tell you what's important first, because when you look at American history, the 1619 Project is one stream of American history. Uh, slavery did enter into the South. It did enter through Jamestown. It did enter through Virginia. And now, this 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 uh, collection has it has that it has documents from 1619 it, from Jamestown. It's got all of that. Stuff. Except it shows that slavery came into America prior to 1619. Correct. Came in with the Spanish. So it blows the 1619 project up. By the way, 1619 is not even when slavery got started in Virginia. It was 1651 when a black man sued to own another black man, and the courts in Virginia said, yep, you can do that. So Anthony Johnson, a black man, becomes the first slave owner in Virginia, and that's 1651. So 1619 is not even right on their narrative. Well, they would say their narrative is 1619 because it was a black indentured student so, or a black indentured family that had well, a child. about 20 of them. Blah, there were about 20 that came. Right, right. But, indentured servants were not always black that, well they, uh, most of those who came to virginia early on were indentured they were just whites it just means they took out a loan and they became collateral for that all of those 20 blacks that came as slaves off a slave ship where yeah. the british took them off of a slave ship they all became landowners in virginia they all became free and became landowners they did not remain slaves I didn't know that. yeah they, they that indenture was over after seven years after which time the state gave them land they became landowners and they had their own their own until property. 1651 that's Until when 1651. You could, yeah, okay. Yep. Um, so, um, why is this so important that this remains? Because I know the guy who was selling it, who's collected a very, very well established, uh, credible historian. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, uh, he's selling it. He was selling it. He's getting old. He wants it to go. He wants it to go to us yeah. and not be broken up. Why did he give us such an amazing deal on this? Because he he likes the view that we have, which is a historical view, that while there was a Jamestown, there was also a Plymouth. And Plymouth is the second colony in America, and in Plymouth they outlawed slavery from the start. Slavery was illegal. They called it man-stealing, quoted the Bible, capital offense. The first slave ship that came to Plymouth, they freed all the slaves, imprisoned all the slave owners. Um, that there were, was not a time in, in Massachusetts history when you could not vote as a black person. So all this stuff is a different story. If you want to focus on 1619, that's part of America. That's not accurate, but this is part of America. We focus on the other side because the pilgrim side is really what America became. And what Opportunity we strive and, to be. That's right. That, that's know, what we should be. We can dwell on, you know, this guy or that guy. That which you gaze upon, you become. Why aren't we gazing upon a higher standard? Yeah, and that's what this this collection is. It is the greatest collection of authentic documents of that strain of America that nobody's talking about, or at least that the left is not talking about today. And it documents authoritatively, without any question, with the original documents, what happened in America. And the side of the story the 1619 Project is trying to erase. And by the way, this may be to me the, the most I don't know the adjective described, but part of the the 1619 project is currently being used in all 50 states. Even if a state legislature bans it, it will be used because it's a voluntary curriculum without charge. Teachers take it and use it. Mm. Part of that, they have what's called an erasure point where they give you actual, authentic American documents. They redact the documents, leave six or eight words in them. They say, we want you to erase history and rewrite it the way you think it should have been. And that is a classroom exercise to take authentic documents, trash them out, redact the content, leave you six or eight words, and and just rewrite it the way you think it should be. That is dangerous for America's future. Holy cow. If you would like to help us preserve uh, history, especially this, 
we need uh, we need a team of people that are going to pony up and it, we can do it five dollars at a time. And I know a lot of people that want to do that. Uh, but we also are looking for some people with some real wealth that will also step with us um, and secure this for future generations. You can uh, make a donation now at Mercury One dot org. That's Mercury One dot org. Thank you, David. Thank you, Burgess. We'll talk Thank to you, you again. God bless. A real pleasure. You bet. Thanks, guys. Our sponsor this half hour is Built Bar and Stu. Uh, who was it that told me about the Built Bar? Was it Sarah that told me about? Who was it that said about the chocolate brownie chunk yesterday? I think it was Sarah, the News and Why It Matters. Mm. You weren't there. Um, she said, oh, you got to try that. That's my favorite. Oh, my gosh. I tried this this morning. Uh, it is. You actually cut me off in mid-sentence to explain to me how wonderful it was. <laughs> I did. I was like, shut up. I'm enjoying this right now. <laughs> it is like, I mean, it has real chocolate in it. Um, I don't even know. It's got to be real uh, coconut. No. Uh, yeah, real coconut in it. Um, it's not. They don't put chemicals and all that crap in it. They make the taste first. And then they make sure that it's really healthy for you. And it has everything you need. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Um, It's made with real chocolate. It is a great snack if you're trying to lose weight. It is better for you than most protein bars. It is just great. It's called a Built Bar. Try it now. BuiltBar.com. You'll save 20% if you use the promo code BECK at BuiltBar.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. It is uh, it's Thursday. If you missed our uh, special on TV last night on uh, the silencing of voices and the realities ours, uh, you don't want to miss it. Uh, go back and look at it. If you are a Blaze subscriber, you can watch it on YouTube. If you're a Blaze subscriber, you get I think about ten minutes more uh, on uh, the just the Donald Trump Jr. interview alone. I talked to him about the. Um, the impeachment, how his dad was doing, uh, what his dad was thinking, what are they going to do in the future? It's a really good interview. You'll find it now if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, blazetv.com slash Glenn. I mean, that's a good idea, but I just would rather pay like 30 bucks less. That's it. I would, really? I would subscribe. For a I, year? For 30 bucks yeah, less? I feel like 30 bucks is the right I amount. I got a 30% deal for you well, right now. Well, you well, save 30, 30 bucks right now. Get you that? just go to you go to the blazetv.com blazetv.com slash glenn okay then you use the promo code glenn oh 30 bucks. that's it that's the wow. secret yeah this is the glenn back program